This is the This Is Gonna Hurt podcast with Jay Gordon Duncan. Hello, friends, and welcome to a Wednesday Wisdom episode of the This Is Gonna Hurt podcast with Jay Gordon Duncan. And if you're wondering why the J, the answer is I am not a bagpipe player. And if that joke doesn't make any sense, I encourage you to check out episode zero where I explain that joke as well as the purpose of the This Is Gonna Hurt podcast. But as to today's episode, our Wednesday Wisdom episodes are this. I am sharing the audio of my sermons from the church I pastor, Evident Grace Fellowship in Fredericksburg, Virginia, as well as sermons from churches I have pastored prior, as well as sermons that I've preached at other places. And I'm sharing them with you for this reason. My sermons are usually not too long. They're between 30 and 40 minutes long. And by sharing them with you, it gives you a chance for some spiritual encouragement midweek. So I hope you enjoy it. I hope it's challenging and encouraging, like I said. And if it is, would you please send me a note at uh, gordon at jgordonnuckin.com or maybe even share this sermon online, Facebook, or on your Instagram story. I hope you enjoy it. So let's get to the sermon. Text is from Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to 56. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. And he has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Uh, I'm privileged as a pastor, sometimes challenged as a pastor. I get to answer the hard questions, or at least I get to try to find answers together. And if you look at what our church has done in the last four weeks, it's been interesting Uh, Three weeks ago, we looked at a verse that said that when you can't pray and you're too upset to pray and you don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit's going to literally pray for you. And so I had no idea in planning these services out at the beginning of the year that we were going to be there. I didn't even know at that point in time that we were going to study prayer over Christmas, but it's a wonderful providence that God's put those together. But that passage has some hard verses. I mean, we had to try to understand what does it mean for the Spirit to speak in grumblings that we don't understand. The big takeaway for all of us, though, is when you don't know how to pray, the Spirit's going to pray for you because the Spirit loves you and it's God's will. Now, the following week, we looked at a verse that says that no matter what happens in your life, if you love God, every single thing is going to be meant for good. And that's a wonderful promise until you try to figure out what it means. Because we look at our life and we're like, this situation seems to have been horrible. This doesn't seem to be good at all. And what it was calling us to is a greater faith in God to say, okay, God, you mean some good for this. What is the good? How do I live in every circumstance trusting that you're doing good things? 
Last week, we looked at predestination, where God said, listen, for all those I foreknew, I predestined to be conformed to the image of God. Last week, we read that God chooses who believes in him. So it's been challenging verse after challenging verse, and now we're going to try to understand prayer. And I think I get more questions about prayer than I do understanding scriptures or a lot of other of the biblical and Christian disciplines that we wrestle with. So I was trying to make it simple. I was like, how do I even begin to talk about prayer? How do I speak about it in such a way that we can simply understand it? So I've boiled it down to this before we even get started. Prayer is about love. When we love God, we're drawn to him in prayer. When we struggle to love God, we're tempted to walk away from prayer. And prayer and loving God is really about magnifying God. It's really about going to the one who's larger than us, going to the one we hope can provide for our needs and provide the needs for others. And now that makes sense because we see it in our day-to-day lives. I mean, look at two people who love each other. Look at a husband and wife. When they're in love with each other, man, they can't, they love talking about the other person. They magnify them. She does this, he does that. He does this. Even when you get to the, to the quirks and the failings, you're like, well, this is going on, but I love him. I'm going to take care of him. And then when those things begin to get diminished, you get worried because you're like, uh-oh, we're not really talking about magnification anymore. We're talking about excessive critique or not talking about him at all. When we love something, we magnify it. We lift it up. You know that. You go to a restaurant, you go tell everybody you love it. You're like, you got to go here. Now, you can magnify something you don't love. That always happens, but it'll fade. You know, you can work someplace when you're a teenager, like at a restaurant or something like that, and you're like, oh, yeah, you should come to that restaurant. But the moment you leave, you're like, I can't stand that restaurant, right? You can do that. You can magnify something for a small period of time. But if you love something, truly love it, you're going to magnify it. And that's the language of prayer. Prayer is about magnifying God and loving God and going to him because you know that he's faithful and he keeps his promises and that you want to commune with him. But it's so, so difficult for many of us. But I know this. God has promised to work through the prayers of his people. And when his people come together and humble themselves and pray, God does mighty things. So this week, we're going to work through this. The big idea here is prayer is about magnifying the Lord. And we're going to have three points. We're going to have three points. Let me go ahead and give them to you ahead of time. The first one is this. uh, Magnify God by thanking him for his impact on your life. What a great way to pray. You can magnify God by thanking him for the impact on your life. Secondly, you can magnify God by praying for his impact on this world. You can magnify God. You're big enough to do something with this mess of a world. And we can never forget the third one either, though. We can magnify God by praying for his impact on his people. We're going to see that through the scriptures that Melody just Red. Now, let's talk about context for a minute. Let's pop, pop up the context here. This here uh, is what uh, that Melody just read. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to read through it word for word because we've got a little bit less time here. But this is the context. Mary finds out that she's pregnant. And if you read the scriptures, Joseph was ready to divorce her. Put her away quietly. Because honestly, it's a difficult story to believe. It really is. Joseph, I've been faithful, I promise you. But I'm pregnant from the Holy Spirit with the Savior. It's a tough story to begin with. It really is. And Joseph's a good guy. He really is. And he could have shamed her, could have left her for public ridicule. Even if you want to go to the hard end of it, you could have him stoned. 
But he, at first he said, I'm going to put her away quietly. I don't want this. I love her, but I can't buy the story. And fortunately, the Holy Spirit breaks in and says, hey, Joseph, this is the real deal. You can believe her. You know that character that you've always seen in her is consistent. But what's happening here is Mary's got to get out of town because she's going to show, and no one else is going to believe that story. If Joseph's not going to believe that story, no one else. So she's like, I need to go hang out with family. I need to get away because it's not going to be really good for me to stay in my hometown. So she goes to visit Elizabeth, and Elizabeth is pregnant, pregnant with John the Baptist. And just when they get in the same room together, you know, the, 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 the pregnant cousins, they're, they're so excited each other. They've got to hug each other like this, right? They're so excited, right? So excited that John the Baptist in the womb leaps for joy. Now, this is not, you know, this is not just those normal kid moving around. It's not the heartburn. It's not all those things that I hear about that happen. This is truly John the Baptist excited to be in the presence of his Savior. Truly a reaction of praise. My Savior is here. A baby leaping in the womb in the presence of another baby in the womb. That's what's going on here. How welcoming that would be to Mary. She's fleeing her hometown because she knows they're going to shame her, ridicule her. But she finds a welcome and a loving person who will bring her in and Elizabeth and the very baby that she's carrying is leaping for joy. Let's jump in. Magnify God by thanking him for his impact on your life. This is the prayer that Mary prays. Now, I want to offer this to all of us. You guys have been praying for the last hour. Every time you sing a song, you are praying. Every act of communication between you and your Heavenly Father is an act of prayer. So yes, it is that moment when you are alone and you're praying. But if you sing these songs, you're praying. So every now and then you go, Gordon, I don't know how to sing that song. Totally okay. We do our best to give you songs that you can sing. But we need words to help us pray. So if you don't know the word, if you don't know how the melody goes, you're fine. Read the words. Because it's an act of prayer. So this be a prayer. I don't know if Mary's singing. I don't know if she's praying in a way we consider prayer. But it's a prayer. And what she's doing is she's thanking God for having an impact on his life. Let's look at it. Verse 46. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. So think magnifying glass if it helps you. (laughs) My soul right now wants to make God bigger. I know who he is. I can't physically make him bigger. He can't be more sovereign or more omniscient. But in my soul, he can be bigger. And sometimes we have to tell our soul what to do. You try to, we try to teach our kids how to pray. We try to teach them how to interact. Sometimes we need that too. And you're like, I don't know what to do. And sometimes you've got to tell your soul what to do. Like, soul, make God bigger right now. And that's exactly what Mary's doing. My soul makes God bigger right now. I'm going to magnify God. Why? Because my spirit's rejoicing right now in my God, my Savior. I'm literally rejoicing because of what God's doing. Mary is being called to walk a path of shame for her entire life. Not just nine months. For her entire life, her reputation is going to be, oh, that woman who said she got pregnant by the Holy Spirit. 
Joseph's reputation is going to be like, ooh, you married that woman with loose character. Her whole life, she's going to walk the shame of the world to glorify God. But right now, she is saying, my soul rejoices. God has lifted me up. I'm going to lift him up. Verse 48, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. This is not Mary caught the eye of God. This looking here is not just, oh, there you are. This is a looking on with an active compassion and desire to work. It's a noticing in a real way. Like, I'm looking at you because I want to do something in your life. You have a need, and I'm going to care for you. You see, Mary was in need before. She was lowly. She was humble. She had no status. And we sing of what she's done now. God looked at her and looked at her with a desire to pour out compassion and to bless her. You can say the same thing. You're not Mary. None of us walk the path of Mary. None of us walk the path of Joseph. But when you look at what God's done in your life, you can say, bless you, my soul rejoices, because you looked upon the humble estate of your servant. Mary says, I don't deserve anything that you're doing. Nothing. That is the posture of prayer. God, I'm going to lift you up because when I look at what you've done in my life, the mere fact that you've forgiven me or you've given me a family or you've given me a church or you've given me a child or a job, wherever God's blessing you, you can say, you gave me this and you looked upon my humble estate to do something. I was noticed, I was chosen, I was picked out, and I was specifically given to be a vessel of God's mercy. Going ahead. For behold, from now on, generations call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Now that's Mary's story. That's not your story. You don't get to be that. None of us are that, okay? We're singing of what God has done through Mary for generation after generation. But what she's just done here is a wonderful pattern of how we pray. If you're taking notes, let me give you a couple of chapters. Psalm 33, 68, 103, 104, 106, and 111. I'll send them out tomorrow. If you're taking notes, I'll go slower. Psalm 33, 68, 103, 104, 106, and 111. Every one of those psalms follow this pattern where we say, I'm going to rejoice in who you are because you looked at me and I didn't deserve any of this but you poured out blessing. Friends, when you feel invisible, kids at school, when you feel invisible, you are not invisible. As a child of God, God has seen you. He has looked at you and poured out blessing on you because he loves you and forgives you. Spouses who feel lonely, people at work who feel unseen, people who go to church who feel missed, or not seen. You are not invisible. The way to pray is say, dear God, you have looked upon my humble estate and you have seen me. And this is the pattern of scripture of how we pray. If you don't know where to start, tell your soul, soul, magnify God. Because you have seen me and blessed me. And when you looked at me, it wasn't just a sight that would be enough for God to look at you, but he poured out blessing on you in your humble estate. Let's keep going. Let's magnify God by praying for his impact on this world. You can pray for yourself. Please do. 
but we can't forget to pray for God's impact on the world. Mary goes on to say, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Uh, how many of you were on I-95 this past weekend? Anybody? Anybody else travel? It's miserable, right? So yesterday, when you see that fl- flashing sign that says, well, it's going to take you 110 minutes to go 110 feet, you know just what I'm talking about? And so you have plenty of time to look at all the cars around you. And it was cars, and it was Amazon. That's all I saw on the road. Amazon, and you know the Amazon uh, logo, right? It's Amazon, and there's a little arrow that goes from A to Z, which means to say, we got everything you need from A to Z. That's why that little arrow is there. So, blew my mind when I first, good, 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 good logoing, right? So, everywhere we went, there's an Amazon truck. There's an Amazon truck. That is the equivalent of what Mary's doing here. You have been faithful from generation to generation, from generation to to generation. That's why I love, by God's grace, we got to have a baptism today, because we got to see God's mercy from Genesis all the way to now, and we get to have the hope and the promise and the surety that God is going to be faithful going forward from generation to generation to generation. When you say that, it's inherently looking forward. It's recognizing what God's done, but inherently you're saying, and God, you're just going to keep on doing it. Now look at what she says, verse 51. He has shown strength with his arm, and he has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate, and he's filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. Of course this is what she prays. She's fleeing her hometown. She's running away from everyone that would mock her or pour out shame or speak badly of her husband. You know this woman loved her husband at this point in time. Could have put her away, but he didn't. Because why? Because he was obedient to God. Sexy. No, do you love that man, right? So God, I'm going to worship you. You've been faithful from generation to generation. And you cast down the proud. And you pour out mercy on those of humble estate. And those who are hungry, you give them good things, physically and spiritually. And the rich you send away empty. That is literally a prayer for this world. It's a promise that God's going to get to it. In our world, it'd be like this. God, and you look out of the mess of this world, and you look at the thankfulness of your heart, right? And you look out, and you go, God, and you start looking at it, or you read CNN or Fox or wherever you get your junk, and you look at it, and you're like, God, you've been faithful from generation to generation. That's prepping your heart to believe that he's going to do something in the world. You've been faithful from generation to generation. And then you look out and you see the haughty and the proud and what this world elevates and what this world celebrates. And our heart goes, I'd kind of like that if I could get hold of it, but that's not who I am. And you look at people who mock and deride God and mock and deride what the church upholds. And you go, but you know what, God? You cast down those proud folks. Because what? You're pouring out mercy on the humble estate of your servant. You see, when we inhabit a prayer like this, very much inhabited by the prayers of the Psalms and by the faithful from generation to generation, what we're saying is, God, do something in this world. Cast down the proud. And those that are hungry physically and spiritually, feed them. Feed them. Those who seem to mock and those who openly deride what we say and do here, Father, cast them down. Not for our benefit, but for yours. Because, Father, there's so many 
in spiritual need and hunger. There's so many in physical need and hunger. Father, I know that you have fed them before. Feed them now. This is the posture of need, and it's the posture of prayer. This is also the posture that makes us run away from prayer. We hate being needy. We struggle with it. Friends, I was in our community today, uh, no, this week, excuse me, and there was someone in financial need, and they know this church. And I'm like, listen, thank you for sharing that with me. Our church has funds. We take up a mercy, need, mercy offering. Please, 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 we'd love to take care of that bill. And I mean needy. I mean like real, real need. And I'm praying for this person because they said, there are others who are in greater need than me. I was like, no, there's not. No one's in greater need than you. That's hard right? But when you go before God, you say, Father, there's no one in greater need than me. And since you've been merciful to me, will you do that for others? It's the mission of the church and the mission of prayer. And we grow in intimacy with God when we pray for others. Pray for yourself, please. But we grow in intimacy when we pray for others. When you look at this 31-day prayer, God, it's my best I could do to make it a mix. Because we've got to pray for us, but we're praying for others. But Mary doesn't skip out on this last point, and neither should we. Magnify God by praying for his impact on his people. I would probably go in a different order, but I'm not Mary. So he said, listen, she's like, hey, but me, thank you. All of them, please, now the people of God. And that's consistent with the promise that we saw to Abraham. What was Abraham supposed to do? He's supposed to create a people of God through, through God's work and bless the nations. The promise of Peter in Acts 2, I mentioned during the baptism. It was a promise for all those that were here and the children and all those that far off. The mission of God has always been to go, but it's also been God's working through his people. Look at her prayer. Verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. When did God promise mercy? Genesis 3, 15 and 16, to Adam and Eve. When did God promise mercy? When he did it with Abraham, they did form a people. He did it with Noah. Every one of these covenantal promises has been a promise of mercy. So he starts, she starts there. She's like, listen, God, you have been faithful to your people. In remembrance of your mercy. That's saying you've done it because you remembered the promises of mercy that you've poured out. Guys, as a church now, as we roll into year seven, As we roll into that, we've been talking about this a lot lately. We've seen a good bit in these seven years. We have. Everything from God pouring out blessing to God walking us through conflicts, through everything. And when we go through it, it's tempting to despair. But we've got to, in our prayers, say, God, you have been faithful to your people. And so for us, we need to speak of those times. We need to know them in our heads. Like when we pray, God, I remember that time when we didn't have any money, and then all of a sudden you gave us the YMCA, and then all of a sudden you were able us to pay our bills. That's what we do. God, I remember that time where we were in conflict with each other, but you restored this relationship. God, I remember that time, and we didn't have to do that. If we're going to pray for God's work among us, we've got to remember, how has he been faithful to his servant? Mary goes on to say in verse 55, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever. Again, to Garden of Eden, to Noah, to Abraham, to Moses, to David, to us. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. She went for three months to be protected. Why? Because she couldn't trust her community. 
She couldn't trust the world. She couldn't trust her hometown. But she could trust other godly people and family. And she could trust her Lord. That was her retreat. Friends, what we want to do is we want to start in, in the midst of these four weeks is we want to start putting together small pieces, small tiny things that we can hold on to that are going to enable us to have a more rich prayer life individually and as a community. So let me bring this together in this big idea. Here is our big idea and our points. So prayer is about magnifying the Lord. And we saw three ways here. Magnifying God by thanking him for his impact on your life. God, what have you done And telling God, you've done this, you've done this, and you've done this for me. Magnifying God by praying for his impact on the world. Father, you desire to use us to cast down the proud. And you've been faithful generation after generation. Be faithful again. Use us to impact Spotsy and Fred and the YMCA and the school and the gym and everywhere we may be. And finally, a desire to magnify God by praying for his impact on his people. Father, don't forget. You can tell God that. Don't forget. It's okay. Because he's not going to. It's like saying, God, be merciful. God, don't forget us. He won't. Work in the life of this church. For any of our guests here, I usually end our sermon in this way. I give us a truth, an application, and an action. So a truth is just a statement that you can walk away like, I know this is true. The application is a live knowing this way. And then an action is we want to actually find something that we can take away and do this week. Here's our truth. Prayer is about magnifying God's work in your life, in the church, in the world. God, be bigger in my life. God, be bigger in this world. God, be bigger in my church. Be bigger. Be magnified. Be lifted up. Be the name that people have to wrestle with. Be the name that people have debates about. Be the name that's having an impact. Be the name where people have no other choice but to say, God did that. God, be bigger. Application. Let's live knowing that magnifying what God is doing creates intimacy between you and God. God, be more. God, do more. God, be more. Do more. And when you do that, you're going to be more intimate with God because you're trusting his work in your life, the world's life, the church's life. All right, action. Here's our prayer goal for the week, okay? Here's the prayer goal for the week I want for you guys. Focus your prayers on what God is doing for his glory and less on what you want him to do for you. Friends, you can pray for what you God wants to do for you. Please, 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 please. But let's pray for what God's going to do in the life of this church and the world more. Why would I say that? Because it will increase your intimacy with God. It will. Pray, pray massive amounts for yourself. Huge, huge amounts of people. Like, don't, don't pray less for yourself. Just pray more for others. So just probably what that means for most of us is we got to take our normal prayer life and then just start praying for other people. Because we're tempted to spend most of our prayer lives praying for ourselves. Let's just add those prayers for what God's going to do at evident grace and add those prayers for what God is going to do in the world. Ask yourself, if someone overheard my prayers, if they overheard them, who would they think that you want glorified. Sometimes when people overheard my prayers, they would think I want me glorified. God, Father, I need this. If you could do this. That's really, after a while, sounds like I want me to be glorified. I want people to overhear my prayers. I want people to overhear your prayers, and they can hear, wow, they really want God glorified. Individually, corporately, and into the world.
Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we've seen the testimonies of your faithfulness today from the beginning of scriptures until now with the hope and the promise and the expectation that you will continue to work throughout eternity. Father, I pray that you would draw us in intimacy this week, that we would grow comfortable in praying for your mighty work. Thank you that you have never forgotten your faithfulness generation after generation. Would we celebrate it? Would you give us the faith to believe it? And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.